Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people that know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you enjoy the following message. All right, good morning. You doing all right? Great, five of you are doing wonderful. That's good, I'm glad. I don't know about you, but when they sing like that, I told the first service this, I said, listen, it makes, I don't know whether to go curl up in the fetal position in the corner and cry or run through a wall. But honestly, I'm feeling a little bit like the latter. I, I could run through a wall when they get fired up like that. That is awesome. Thank y'all for being here. Yeah. So, so this is kind of funny. Um, you know you're in a Baptist church when... I'm, going, I'm piggybacking off of Jeff Foxworthy here. Yes, you heard Jeff Foxworthy in church. You can, you can write about that. You know you're in a Baptist church when you come into a room and all the front rows are empty. Why, does anybody know why that is? Why is it that we do that? Is it just because the Holy Spirit does a little something different in the front row? Are we afraid that we're going to get called out? Is that what it is? I've always wondered. Maybe it's spit on, I don't know. Anyway, I'm glad that you're here for this very special day. You know, for many of us in the room, this is a day we all look forward to all year long, isn't it? A special week. It's Sunday at the Masters. <laughs> right? And you know, as awesome as that is, it pales in comparison to the fact that we're here today to celebrate the fact that Jesus came to this earth. He lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. He died the death that you and I both all deserve. And get this, he conquered death. He walked out of an empty grave so that you, so that I could stand up here today. Like this is my job, this is what I get to do. I get to stand up here today to look you in the eye and tell you that as Jesus walked out of an empty grave, so can you. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. And there may be somebody in this room who has never said yes to that gracious invitation. Maybe you're sitting here in the room this morning and you've never heard the fact that Jesus came and lived the life you couldn't live, died the death you deserved, so, and walked out of the grave so that you could as well, that you would no longer have to be defined by your sin or your shame that you can stand in the righteousness of Christ, you could be called a son or daughter of the king. You could hear the words, this is my son, this is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And, I, and believe me, there's a lot of things that people can say about you. There's a lot of things people have said about me. But there's nothing greater than hearing the words, this is my son, this is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And so that's what we're celebrating today is, is those, those words. Now, we ask a lot of questions in life, don't we? I think we're a pretty curious people. Would you agree with that? Yeah, can you talk back to me a little bit this morning? Yes, okay, all right, thank you, thank you. Y'all are, are learning. Yeah, we're pretty curious people. In fact, I was looking, I was reading this article this last week, and I found this to be really interesting, but the article said that on average, children ask 73 questions a day. So, I said that, 73 questions a day that kids ask. No wonder I'm exhausted. No wonder that when I come home from work, my wife cannot string together a sentence. Because she's been busy all day 
not just asking or answering 73 questions, but answering over 140 questions because we got two. Can you imagine adding another 73 questions into that day? Well, we couldn't either, so, so you don't have to worry about that. Did y'all catch that? Yep, we're content with what the Lord's given us. We're good. We're good. Now, on average, so compared to children, on average, adults ask 20 questions a day. 20 questions we ask a day. Maybe, I don't know why that's such a major difference. Maybe it's because they're learning all the things. You know, maybe it's the first time that they're seeing and hearing these different things. Or maybe it's because we just get to a point in life where we just kind of feel like we have it all figured out. I don't know. But regardless, we ask a lot of questions, and I think it's because we're seeking two things. We're seeking meaning in life, right? We want to know what's our purpose? Why do we exist on this earth? What's the meaning to all of this? Right? So we're, we're looking for that. But then also, too, I think we're looking for clarity. Any, would anybody like clarity? Yeah, like you look out in the world today and just think, man, if I could just have some clarity, what in the world is going on? So we ask questions. But my, my, my heart for you today, my heart for you today is that you would ask the right question. Because we're asking a tons and we're asking tons and tons and tons of different questions each and every day. But I want to make sure, I want to make sure that we're asking the right question. And so that's what we're going to do today. We are going to ask the right question. Now, here it is. You with me? You ready? Here's the right question. Here's the question that, we're all, that we all have to ask and have an answer for. And here's the question. Who is God? Who is God? And what you may not realize is that that is the question that we're all asking. Whether we realize it or not, at the end of, at the, end of the day, Every one of our questions goes back to that as the source. We want to know who is God and why does it matter? Well, here's the reason why it matters. When we can answer that question, who is God? When we can do that, it's going to bring about a great deal of meaning to your life and it's going to bring about some clarity to the chaos that surrounds everyday life. And so that's what I want us to do. Now, here's one, one thing that's super cool. By the way, the Bible is really, really cool. If you've never picked it up and you've never read it, um, you know, and I know that oftentimes you pick it up and you read it and maybe you start a Bible reading plan in the first of the year and you get to Leviticus and you say, man, this thing's for the birds, I'm out, right? I get that. But if you keep reading, you'll find that it's, it's pretty fascinating. And in Romans chapter one, Paul's writing, and this is what he says, he goes, if you want to answer that question, if you want to know who is God, he says, all you got to do is walk out your front door. Well, that's pretty cool. That's obviously, that's modern. That's, that's a paraphrased version. But just walk out your door and all you got to do is look out into creation. You can look at the trees. You can hear the birds chirp. You can see mountains. You can see the ocean. See all of these things and they ought to all lead us back to who God is. They ought to help us answer that question who is God? Now, if you were to keep reading in Romans chapter one, you would find something interesting. So in Romans chapter one, Paul tells us that we can look into creation and we can get a glimpse of who God is, but we have to understand that the lens by which we are looking, so when we're looking through a lens, right? I've got glasses. Anybody else have glasses? The lens by which we are looking 
is flawed. It's flawed. It's flawed by the sin and the corruption that exists within our hearts. See, you and I have a problem. It's called sin. (laughs) And that problem is the fact that that while we can see God, every all the truth of God, it's tainted by our sin, by our corruption. It's like looking through a, a cracked windshield. Anybody ever had a cracked windshield, maybe a shattered windshield, and you're trying to drive and trying to see what's happened on the other side, and you're looking through, and you're trying to find it, but, but you can't see it? See, that's what sin does. It corrupts the way that we see the world and everything in it. And so what I want us to do today, as we're seeking to answer this question, is I wanna give you a new windshield. Oh, isn't that good? You need a new windshield today, free of charge. And I want you to be able to see the world with a clear lens. Because again, I think here's what's gonna happen. I think my goal for today is you're gonna walk out of here with some meaning, hopefully get some meaning and some clarity to the chaos that's going on around us. Okay, so if you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab it. We'll grab it, we're gonna be in Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews chapter one this morning. Man, that's a good song. Hebrews chapter one, we're gonna be in verse one. Verses one through four, read along with me. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. It's gonna be up here on the screen for you. This is the word of the Lord. It says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, who he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, and hear this, he is the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name that he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now, right out of the gate, the author of Hebrews does something really helpful. He lets us in on a little bit of a secret. He answers the question. He says, if you really want to get to know God, then you have to get to know Jesus. If you want to get to know God, if you want to answer the question, who is God, then you've got to answer the question, who is Jesus? And that ultimately is what we're going to tackle today. We're going to answer the question, who is Jesus, so that we can answer the question, who is God? And that's what he means in those first two verses. He says, in the past, God spoke through Old Testament prophets, but today, modern day, Jesus is, or God's speaking through his son, Jesus. In fact, he is the perfect revelation of the Father for you and for me, so that when we see Jesus, guess what? We see the Father. It's pretty awesome. So if we really want to get to know God, then we've got to get to know Jesus. And I've got five things that I want you to see from this text about Jesus. And the first one is this. You ready? If you're taking notes, the first one is this, that everything begins with Jesus. It all begins with Jesus, including you and me in the room. We all begin with Jesus. That's what the text says, that he is the heir of all things, but it also means 
that he is the means by which God created the world. That's what John says in chapter one. In the book of John, chapter one, the apostle John, here's what he writes. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Notice that word is capitalized. Anybody know why? Taking you back to English, you thought that it didn't matter. It matters. It matters. If you're taking English right now, you need to listen to your teacher because it matters. The reason why that matters is because it's capitalized. It's telling you that it's speaking of a person. Speaking of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Nothing was made apart from Jesus. Everything in the world, everything that we see, touch, taste, smell, or hear ought to reveal something to us about the nature of God. But not only that, in Colossians chapter one, Colossians chapter one, Paul says a very similar thing. He says this in verse 16. He says, all things were created through him, through Jesus, and hear this, and for Jesus. Listen, I'm gonna save you some time. There's not a self-help book that you can find that's gonna let you in on this little bit of a secret. What Paul has just told you is that your purpose on this earth Your purpose on this earth is to exist for Jesus. You were created by him and you were created for him. That means that you were not created to start and to raise a family. You were not created just to go to school and to earn a grade. You were not created to make mom and dad happy. You were not created to go to work and make a paycheck. You were created to glorify God and to live in relationship with him. Wow, isn't that amazing? But not only were you created to live in a relationship with him, but you were created to enjoy that relationship with the Father. It all begins with Jesus. Number two, Jesus is the fingerprint of God. Do you know that this morning, that Jesus is the fingerprint of God? That's what the author of Hebrews says. He says it so clearly. I don't want you to miss this. In verse three, he says that Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature. Do you know that in the Greek language, exact means exact? I spent a lot of money and a lot of time going to seminary to figure that out. Exact means exact. He is the exact imprint of his father. You may have heard that fingerprints are like snowflakes, that there's not a single one that's the same. Have you ever heard that? Do you know that that's not a myth? That's, that's actually true? That there's not a single fingerprint that is the same. That if you were to take your fingerprint and you were to take your son or your daughter's fingerprint and you were to hold them up, they'd be different. They might look the same, but they'd be different. And that is true of all of us, except for Jesus. Jesus has the exact same fingerprint 
as his father. There's not one line, there's not one loop that is different from his father's. He is the exact imprint of his nature. Everything that Jesus does and says from his actions to his motivations. So his external actions, but also the internal motivations of his heart demonstrate the exact nature of his father. Now here's where that gets practical. Here's what that means for you and for me. You ready? This is cool. So when you read the New Testament, and let's say you stumble upon the story where Jesus calms the storm. Y'all remember that story? Fantastic story. Here's what you see. When Jesus calms the raging storm in that boat, you're seeing God's control over the elements. When you see Jesus healing people, when you see him doing miracles, turning water into wine, you see Jesus's power. You see God's power over sin and suffering and death. You you see his supernatural power to do anything and everything that he wants to do right when he wants to do it. That there's no box big enough, elaborate enough for you to put him in it. When you see Jesus interacting with the woman at the well in John chapter four, you see God's heart for broken people. You see his heart, his compassion, his mercy, his grace for broken people. Man, when you see Jesus celebrating at a wedding, you see God's heart for the special moments in life. Maybe that day where you welcome your first son or daughter into the world, the day that you got married, the day that your son or your daughter got married, your grandchildren were born, the day you got your first job or that you got into the college that you dreamed of getting into. It's, you're seeing God's joy, him smiling down over you in those simple, sweet moments of life. Maybe some of you came in the room this morning and, and, and you're just kind of weighed down by this belief that God is angry and that he's always disappointed and he's always mad at you. And I'm just telling you, look to Jesus. If that's you in the room, you would miss the beautiful truth that, that God's pleasure rests on you. For those who've placed their faith and their trust in Jesus, who is his son and daughter, he doesn't always meet you at the door disappointed or frustrated, but rather he meets you at the door with a smile and open arms and a seat at his table. Man, that's powerful. It's incredible. When you see Jesus, you see God. You know, when we see Jesus' relationships with his friends, the 12 disciples, you see his relationship with his mom, see how he loved her and how he cared for her, you see God's heart for the relationships in our life. When you see Jesus clearing out the temple, you see God's anger over the sin and the wickedness that would distort his place of worship. When you see Jesus frustrated and angry at the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, he says some pretty tough stuff. Those are, the, those, are those things that are hard to preach. He calls them brood of vipers, calls them whitewashed tombs, right? 
He said some pretty ugly things about them, but you know what he's revealing? He's revealing God's frustration and anger towards his people that believe that they can do it apart from him. Their self-righteousness. You know what else? When we see Jesus' body hanging upon a cross, the very cross that he created, by the way, where everything begins with him, when you see Jesus' body hanging up on that cross, here's what you're seeing. You're seeing God's anger, his wrath, and his justice to atone for sin. You see his body hanging up there for your sin and for my sin. Those moments in life where we think we can do it without him. Those moments where we step into disobedience. All of those moments, those poor decisions in life that led us up to that point. You're seeing God's wrath poured out on Jesus so that you and I don't have to hang up on that cross. But our sin can be buried into a grave. And then on the third day, we can walk out with him in freedom from the bondage of our weight and sin. And then on the third day, when Jesus walks out of that grave, you know what you're seeing? You're seeing God's power over sin and over death. That's incredible. When Jesus comes up out of that grave, when all of his friends and faithful followers run to that grave, walk into that empty tomb, we are reminded that there is no longer a sting in death. That I am untouchable. Do you know I'm untouchable? There's nothing you can do to me. There's nothing that I can do to you. I am untouchable. Because I stand in the righteousness of Christ. For those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, you stand this morning in the righteousness of Christ. No longer does your sin, your shame, or any of those things, that guilt, no longer does that define who you are, but rather you are defined by the perfect life, death, and resurrection of the King. As my good friend this morning reminded me, because Jesus is alive, it's all good. It's all good. But not only that, I want you to see this. Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature, but in addition to that, Jesus also upholds the universe by the word of his power. You know what that means? Jesus is the glue that holds it all together. He's the glue that holds it all together. And you know, it's so interesting because there are people who have walked in this, in this room this morning who are trying to hold it all together. Anybody in here? You holler at me, right? We walk in this room and we're, we think, oh man, I've got to have it all together. I've got to put on my Easter suit, get the Easter tie. Boy, I got to look good. I'm going to hold my whole life together. All the while it's falling and crumbles. And here's the deal. We live in that imposter syndrome. We live with this fear of being found out. But you know what? You don't have to live in that fear. You want to know why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. And he holds it all together so that you don't have to. Isn't that great? It's amazing. You don't have to hold it all together. You don't have to be just weighed down by anxiety and fear and worry. And you watch the news. You can watch the news with confidence that he's got it all. 
He's holding it in his hands. He's the glue that's holding it all together. And while it looks like it's falling apart, it's actually falling into place because he promises that this is gonna happen. And because this happens, he's gonna make all things new in heaven and on earth. And you and I get to be a part of that. And you know what? I'll take some suffering. I'll take some confusion. I'll take some rather ugly things in this world so that I can experience those in the next. Wow. He's the glue that holds it all together. Surely Jesus, whose hands shaped the universe and summoned the galaxy of stars into being, can hold the complexity of our lives in his hands and guide us through the highs and lows of life. (laughs) Isn't that good? Mm. Jesus is the glue that holds it all together. But number four, Jesus fills the gap between God and creation. Don't you see that? It's very important that you see that. Jesus fills the gap between God and creation. And if you look around, it wouldn't take you long. If you turned on the news, open up your phone, go to your news app, go to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever your preferred method of getting the news is, it won't take you very long to scroll through or to watch to see that we're in a mess. Amen? We're in a little bit of a mess. Well, it's a big mess. It's fine. Remember, God's the glue. He's holding it all together. It's fine. We're good. There's division, hatred, poverty, homelessness, hunger, disease, natural disaster, Tons and tons and tons and tons of problems. We could, go all, we could go all day long. As I talk about the problems, I feel my blood pressure rise. There's a lot of problems. But you know what is true of all of them? They are symptoms. You know what a symptom is? A symptom is something that points you back to a larger problem. The larger problem is not these symptoms, these outliers. The larger problem is the fact that the world is broken, and it's broken by sin. It's broken by sin. See, the, the reality that we're experiencing right now is that because we decided to step outside of God's good, right, and perfect design, all of creation is subject to those consequences that the world is living apart from her creator. The Bible says that even creation is longing, is longing for the day that God makes all things new. So it's not just humanity that's feeling the weight of all this, it's the entire world. Animals, ocean, uh, mountains, lakes, all of these things, drought, everything, it's all filling the weight of the brokenness. Now, you may know this, but in case you don't, did you know that when God created the world, he did not create it that way. He created it to be in perfection. Do you know in the first words in the entire Bible, if you go to the book of Genesis, which just simply means beginnings, in the beginning, right, the first words in the Bible are in the beginning, God created. God created everything. So everything flows out of him for his glory. That's talked about that in Colossians. Everything, God created it all. And if you were to look at the end of chapter one in the book of Genesis, you would see that not only did God create, but he created everything good. It would even go so far as to say very good. You know what that means? 
He created it to be in perfection. Everything was to to be like a beautiful orchestra, all playing in unison, beautiful unity, where there's not uh, not a single instrument out of tune. He created it to all work in perfect unity. Now, sadly, rather than being content with what God had given us, we chose to do life our own way. Now, I know that nobody in the room has ever done that. God, I know better for my life. Nobody's done that. We stepped outside of God's good design. And from that moment on, all of creation was subject to the consequences, eternal separation from him. Now, here's the result. The result is pain, it's suffering, it's disease, it's broken relationships, it's sitting in a cold, lonely room where you hear a diagnosis that you thought you would never experience, affairs, homeless or kids without parents, broken marriages. It's the result of the fall. It's the consequences of our sin. And and I don't know about you, but I don't like those things. Do you like, anybody like suffering? You like pain? You like these things? No, of course not. And so here's what we do. You ready? Here's how we try to answer this problem. Well, we, we run to things like work. Well, if I can just work long enough or hard enough, maybe I can distract myself from the pain. Well, maybe if I earn enough money, I can distract myself. I can, I can kind of numb that out. If I, maybe I'll pick up a bottle and drink some alcohol or drugs, or maybe if I just invest my whole life in my kids, well, maybe then I can numb it all out. But the problem is, and you know this because you've experienced it, it's like a rubber band. The more you try to stretch that rubber band and the more that you try to find life and all of those things, what happens? Man, it pops you. You ever stretched a rubber band and let go of the one side? It's gonna pop this hand. And yet over and over and over, we do it. We run to these empty things and we know that they overpromise and underdeliver. And yet each and every time we do that, and I want you to see in this text what Jesus does instead. See, he comes to this earth and he breaks that rubber band. And he does it in these words. This is what the writer says. He says, after making purification for sins, making us right, he sits down at the right hand of the majesty on high. All to demonstrate, number five, that Jesus is the answer to the brokenness of the world and that he is the answer to the brokenness in our lives. He atoned for our sin. He purified us. He made us clean. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high to demonstrate that he is the answer to the brokenness of the world and the answer to the brokenness in your life. That means that the buck stops with him. Wow. So our problem is that God is up here, we're down here. There's an eternal chasm between us and God. And because we can't get up there, because you can't get up there, there's not amount of money that you can earn. There's not amount of hours you can work. There's, there, there's, there's, there's not enough alcohol you can drink or drugs you can take to get you up there. That's a high that you cannot get apart from Jesus. And so Jesus comes down to this earth. He throws you on his back. He purifies you, cleanses you of your unrighteousness, and he carries you up to God. 
That is the gospel message. Jesus came down to purify us of our sin and brokenness to give us a way back to God. That's the reason why John says in John 14, 6, this is Jesus. He says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me. You're not gonna get up there apart from him. He's the way back to God. He is the truth of God, and he offers the peace, joy, and love and life that you wish you had. Wow. And he does it with finality. He does it with finality. He, he says that. That's what he means by he's set at the right hand of the majesty on high. He's talking about it's complete, it's done. That's why when Jesus says on the cross, he's hanging there, his body whipped and beaten for you and for me, he says, it is finished. That means that it is done, it is completed, it is over. Through his life, death, and resurrection, he has become the access point from you and me to the God of the universe. Wow. The God of the universe has invited you into relationship with him, an ongoing relationship with him. Not a one-time thing, but an ongoing relationship with him. Remember, I told you that your purpose in life is to glorify God by living in a relationship with him, representing him on earth as you live in relationship with him. Wow. It is finished. So here's the deal. I want to bring us back to a plausible conclusion because I want to answer the question, who is God really? I mean, when Really, who is, who is God? Well, the answer to that question is simple. If you wanna get to know God, you gotta get to know Jesus. If you wanna get to know God, if you wanna be a friend of God, you gotta become a friend to Jesus. For he is the restored lens that reveals the exact imprint of God's nature. And maybe you've, come in here on an Easter morning and maybe you did it begrudgingly because a loved one begged you and has been praying all year long for you to be here. Maybe that's you. I want you to know that today you can begin a relationship with Jesus. And I'm not talking about a one-time kind of thing. I'm talking about a life-transforming, life-altering kind of relationship that will change everything about your life, that will give you purpose, meaning, and joy in your life like you've never experienced before. You can do that today. I would love to talk with you. I'm gonna be right here at the, the bottom of these stairs right after the service. I would love an opportunity to talk to you about that. I promise you, you will never be the same and you will never look back and go, man, I just can't believe I did that. And you know what else? Everybody in your life will be touched by it too. That's the way the gospel works. It doesn't stop with us. It continues through us. That's why it'll never die. That's why you read in the news that American Christianity is dying. You know what? It's not because you're alive. And as long as you and I are alive, the gospel goes forth. It's, powerful. it's the most powerful thing in the whole world. Now, if you're in the room and maybe you've already said yes to Jesus, praise God for you. That's awesome. I just want to encourage you this morning. I want you to be encouraged the fact that what, what you're experiencing today what you're experiencing, the chaos, the confusion, all of these things, I want you to be reminded that because Jesus has arisen from the dead, we have great hope. 
We have great hope that what he has started in us, he's gonna bring to completion and that you and I will get to experience that 2 Corinthians 5, 17 kind of new creation where the old has passed and the new has come. And so all we're looking forward to is the new. The old's in the past. Our minds, our hearts are set on the new that is coming for you and for me because Jesus is alive. (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. Can I pray for you? Father, we thank you for the goodness that we have in Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice made for us on the cross. That at any moment, Jesus, you could have pulled yourself off of that cross, but you didn't. You stayed there with each and every one of our names on your mind and in your heart, knowing that it was our sin that you were paying for on the cross so that when you walked out of an empty tomb, Lord, we would walk out too. That we could stand in the righteousness of your son, that we could hear those words, this is my son, this is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. Father, we thank you for that. We bless your name, we praise your name this morning. Because of the resurrection, we have hope. Because of the resurrection, It's all good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.